Welcome to Pub Natter, hosted by Tim Ives and Justin Perry. We both moved to Rutland over 20 years ago, but our careers kept us away from home, so we don't know as much about the county as we should. So we thought, now that we're getting old and slowing down, how can we meet interesting folk and learn as much about Rutland as possible? The answer is to host a podcast, or is that a pubcast? We hope to host each podcast in a different pub in and around Rutland, so we get an excuse to visit a new pub every week or so, whilst letting interesting, mostly local people and organisations, tell their stories, and at the same time promoting the ales and the pubs. We have plenty to choose from in Rutland, so this project could take some time. We have spent many hours in pubs up and down the land discussing every topic you could possibly imagine. We sit on opposite sides of the political spectrum and are probably the only two friends in Rutland that didn't fall out over the Brexit referendum. Given this and our backgrounds, Tim, Royal Air Force, dental healthcare and postgraduate education, and Justin, construction industry and construction law specialist, we reckon we have got the skills to get our teeth into our subjects and build some stories for our listeners. Most episodes will start with 10 or 15 minutes with the landlord, discussing their backstory, the history of the pub and its offerings, and then a special guest with a special interest area of expertise. We hope you enjoy our chats and it encourages you to go out and explore our little county and all that it has to offer. Like the motto says, there is much in little. When rain stops play, it's time for some pub natter. Now that we are entering the festive season, we wanted to take the opportunity to produce a pub natter Christmas special. And what better way than to promote our armed forces veterans and the organisations and volunteers that support them. Having served in the Royal Air Force for 22 years, this is something close to my heart and one that requires more than one episode. Over the Christmas period, we are going to tell the story of the Armed Forces Breakfast Clubs, which started off a few years ago with a few military veterans meeting up on Saturdays in a local garage in Hull for a bacon sandwich and a chat. It has now become the biggest military veterans community in UK and is now starting to grow globally. In the first episode, we natter with Derek Hardman, the veteran who is responsible for creating this concept and managing the organisations. Episodes two and three were recorded in the Grain Store pub during the December Rutland Armed Forces Breakfast Club. We natter with some of the veterans and people who are supporting them. Do not miss our natter with John Bomber Beckett, a 95-year-old veteran. If you have an interest in the armed forces, you are a military veteran or know or have known a military veteran, you will love listening to these discussions. There is also lots of useful information relating to helping ex-servicemen who may be having mental or physical health-related issues. In this first of three related episodes, we set the scene by having a natter with Derek Hardman, the military veteran responsible for creating the concept and managing the Armed Forces Breakfast Clubs. 
We apologise for the sound quality in this episode. We had to record this via Zoom. Derek is not a resident of Rutland and in fact lives over 100 miles away in Hull. What Derek has achieved is simply outstanding and his story simply has to be heard and promoted to as many people as possible. Please share this with your friends and family. When rain stops play, it's time for some pub natter. So we're here with Derek Hardman, the founder of the Armed Forces Breakfast Clubs. Um, yeah. And we're going to learn a little bit about Derek and um, the amazing achievement of getting this off the ground and kind of like where it is now. So Derek, to start off with, just tell us about your your history. So you were in the army. I was, mainly the Cold War. Did a few tours of duty in places, uh, but I, I was uh, Royal Engineers. I joined in 1981. Uh, I came out in 1991, did 10 years. Um, uh, I was mainly based in, in Germany, Hamel in what was West Germany. Uh, and then uh, my last two and a half years, for some reason, I posted this five airborne brigade. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, there we go. So, um, so how, how was it settling into civilian life? I, I just left the military like anybody else would. Uh, hit civilian life, um, you know, and then it's like find somewhere to live, find a job, find, a, you know, find your feet, basically. How do you pay a phone bill? How do you pay electric bill, gas bill? council tax, you know, whatever. Um, uh, when when you're a civilian, your parents help you with that. They sort of teach you to be an independent person in civilian life. Uh, when you serve in the military after 10, 15, 20 years, uh, you're in civilian life. You, you're basically starting where a 16-year-old starts, but he could be in his late 20s, early 30s, 40s, you know. Uh, and, and, that's, and, and that's where people struggle. And... There was, there was something missing. I always felt there was something missing. There was, I was, you know, there was, uh, and, it, and it was basically that camaraderie, that part, being part of the tribe. Uh, so it was years later, I uh, was starting a business and I was converting a vehicle that was an ex-military vehicle for a business. And, uh, I, and I was asking people, you know, does anybody know somebody that's ex-military that is still in the business with vehicles, you know, mechanics and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. And and they showed me, and somebody pointed me at a guy called Pete Barker who had a garage on Sutton Fields in Hull, uh, a, a motor engineer, and I went to see him. And um, I was working in schools at the time. I was doing a bit of teaching, and um, I, I was going there on a Saturday morning um, to work on this vehicle. And I, I, and I realised sort of uh, every Saturday morning, maybe one or two of us, the lads that he'd said we would turn up, we'd have a bit of a well, knackered break, as we called it in the military, but at 10 o'clock we'd send out some bacon butties and the <laughs> kettle would go on and we'd stand there, you know, eating as butties and taking taking the mick out of each other royally. And then when I used to leave later on, it, it was almost like I had a recharge. It was almost like, you know, that, that missing piece uh, that I'd sort of subconsciously felt was missing had been sort of put in place. And then it, when the vehicle was done, you know, that I was still going there on a Saturday morning. So, uh, and, and I was, I bumped into people in the street with the, with old Vex bag on. And, I, and I'd say to them, what do you do on a Saturday morning? And they'd say, oh, well, I used to get dragged out shopping with the wife. I'd say, well, do you want a good, <laughs> a good excuse to get out of that? You know? <laughs> so they'd say, why, what you got? And I'd say, well, 
as a few vets meet up for the garaging and have a butt in a, a brew and a bit of banter at you know, 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning. Uh, and I, I bump into people while I'm shopping and say, you know, what are you doing on Saturday morning? You know, after I've had a bit of, of a chat with them. And then they'd come along. Uh, in five, inside of five minutes, they'd be, you'd see the shoulders go down, they'd relax, they'd be chatting, you know, with all sorts of people. All you could hear was laughter. Uh, and the following week, they'd come back and they'd bring someone else that they knew with them. And, and we ended up with this garage. Pete, Pete Barker is still doing all his work on his vehicles, obviously, you know, like people's customers' vehicles. He's having to honk his arm to, to move the 50 people out of the way that were there, <laughs> you know, to, to move the car over the garage. And, and, and that's how it, we went. That's how it went. It went from just me and doing up a vehicle in the garage with Pete to 50, 50 vets turning up every Saturday morning in the garage from rain or shine, cold or warm, uh, you know, having butties and banter. You know. So did you eventually find your way to a pub? Well, it, it was kind of good like that. It was almost like, see, inside of it, 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 I never thought of it being anywhere else. I never really, it was satisfying the need that I had, you know what I mean? And, and obviously that all them other pets had. So it never really occurred to me to, that this could work any, every, everywhere. And, and that's how it sort of started in 2007 and it worked till 2014. And it was um, my 50th birthday. And I don't look it, obviously. But um, You my, do. <laughs> well, I used to. Um, <laughs> anyway, it was my 50th birthday and the, the guys had had a talk around on my social media and found a few lads that I'd served with and obviously invited them without me knowing. And my, my birthday actually fell on the Saturday morning when we had breakfast. So I rocked up and walked into this garage and there was like five lads that I'd served with that I hadn't seen for 20 years or 30 years, you know what I mean? So um, by the time the fourth one had walked up to me and said, wow, this is amazing. I love this. I wish we had something like this where I live. That was kind of, you know, the light bulb moment. I went, well, why, why couldn't we, why can't we do that? Why can't we start it? You know, it doesn't have to be in a garage. It could be in a, a pub or a car or a cafe. And then uh, and we started planning it straight away. Uh, we started uh, up the next clubs in the summer of 2014. In the first year, we, we had 120 breakfast clubs all over the UK. Uh, and so, so how did that happen? How did it expand? What, what How did you market, market well, it? We, we didn't really have to market it. It's all been... It's all been, you know, organic. It's um, so the so these five lads that had attended the breakfast clubs, they'd obviously come from different parts of the country. So they went away, and and we said we'd we'd got a Facebook group. You know, we'd put a Facebook group together because Facebook seems to be like the most sort of appropriate or uh, you know the best platform to to do what we were doing, where people could join it, go on, put posts on, comments, sort of carry on the the banter if you like between meetings. So um, we just replicated that. We they went off to wherever they lived. Like we had a, a, a lad I'd said was it lived in Newcastle, so we started up the Newcastle Armed Forces and Veterans Breakfast Club. Fired up a Facebook group. Uh, he knew one or two vets. He added them to it. They knew one or two vets. They got added to it. Uh, next thing you know, they've arranged to meet in a pub on the, you know, uh, on the second Saturday of the month at, at ten o'clock. You know, uh, you know, a Weatherspoons and. That you know they'd rock up, say it was fantastic, you know, um, and then and then somebody knows somebody somewhere else, you know. Uh, well, I've got a mate that lives in, you know, Glasgow, 
uh, next thing the Glasgow Breakfast Club started, and, and and I'm firing up these Facebook groups, and I thought, well, we'd better have a set of guidelines. So I, I kind of talked to a solicitor, and you know, sort of um, make sure we was all sort of uh, legal in what we were saying to people. We, it was just for people's protection, so nobody was discriminated against, etc. And we put these set of guidelines together, and I was just firing up these Facebook groups around the country. Uh, inside a year, 120. Um, and since the summer of 2014, we've started on average more than one club every single week since the summer of 2014. We're now 480. I think we're heading to 500 now. Um, so 500 clubs. Yeah, so in, heading towards, yeah. And it's not just UK now either, is it? There's a, there's a whole new sort of uh, network starting across France with French veterans. Like we started off with vet Pats over there, you know, that were starting them, you know, because there was a few vets living around them, you know, British vets. Uh, but then they would invite along French vets that they knew who would come to the club and they'd go, well, I've got a friend that lives in such and such a place. Uh, and there's a, well, we've appointed somebody to, who's, well, she's Claire LaRoche. Uh, she's actually, I think she's, I think her husband is half French, and his surname was Laroche. I think he was, uh, yeah, I think he was British Airborne and French Commando. But um, she kind of runs that network over there, and they're now starting wholly French clubs. And the French, apparently, the French veterans organisations love the the concept of the model as well. Well, it's so easy, you know. Uh, why wouldn't they? So now we're getting uh, French clubs firing up the French vets because they have the same issues that British vets do, clearly. Uh, there's there's a little there's a little network sort of um smouldering away in Germany. Uh, sort of the HQ of that's in Berlin, clearly. And that's more of a NATO breakfast club because they have um all sorts of nationalities in there. Polish, Czech, um Germans, Americans, um we've got we've got three or four in, in the US that, that um, we're, we're a bit like the Beatles are struggling to break America um, uh, but, but yeah. they've, they've dotted around the world there's one in New Zealand, there's a couple in Australia there's one in Bulgaria there's, one, there's even one in Thailand um, there's about three in Cyprus there's, you know the Spain, France, Brittany um, you know there's about 15 countries I think altogether as well as uh, the UK the vast majority of them are in the UK clearly but one of the uh, clubs in North Wales, the uh, the members are sort of turning up as the pub's opening and uh, parking the cars and get out walking towards the door and there was a guy standing there looking a bit dishevelled, you know, like he wasn't doing too well in life. And as they walked up, he turned around to the, to the lady that ran the club and said, is this the breakfast club, you know, for the armed forces? And she said, yeah, that's right. So he said, oh, I, I can't remember his name now, but he's Dave, for example, shook her hand and said, oh, I'm Dave. Um, it's two para. So she went, oh, well, welcome, come in, you know, and you come. So they sat at a big table. She was up this end with a few of the lads, and the banter was going, as was drinking the brews and eating breakfast. And when she looked down the table, Dave sort of sat there eating his breakfast, and she could see tears dropping off the end of his nose. So she, she said, oh, she, she phoned me up afterwards to tell me. She'd gone round the table to, to, to where he was sitting, got herself between him and the rest of the club, Put her arm around him and said, Are you okay? And he went, Yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, thanks, yeah. So she said, Well, I was just sitting up there, you looked a bit upset. He said, No, no, he said, I'm just listening to the banter and realise I've come home. <laughs> I went, Oh, wow. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's basically 
that, that's been echoed in so many different ways. So many vets who have, have had messages off of wives that have said it saved our marriage. And I've said, well, how, how, how does it do that? How does it save your marriage? And, and, and I've had a wife say to me, well, he turned into a miserable old bastard. But since he's been going to the breakfast club, I've got back the soldier, the happy, look go, lucky guy, soldier that I met and married and fell in love with. Uh, we've had them saying, we we now have a social life. We go out more than our kids do. I've had a daughter get in touch with me and said, my dad's a hero. I didn't even know. I went to a breakfast club with him. He sat down opposite somebody that he'd served within the same regiment. And the things that they talked about, she said, my chin was on the table. I couldn't believe what my, what was coming out of my dad's mouth. And this other guy, my dad's an actual hero. And I never knew because he'd never talked about it. And, it, <clears> and, it, and, it, and he wouldn't do unless he was in that environment. Um, you know, so, so I, I had a guy at um, Scarborough uh, this year was the Armed Forces. Uh, sorry, last year it was Armed Forces Day in Scarborough. Um, and and we, we have an event show where we attend the, the Armed Forces Day wherever it is in the, in the UK, the national event. Um, and it was Scarborough, not not this year, last year. It was Scarborough. We, we, uh, I was stood in front of the event shelter on the road uh, when Derry on and the, this, this breakfast would pop on and I'm handing out flyers, you know, to loads and loads of vets, obviously. Um, they've just had the parade, so the lads had passing the berries and medals. And there was a guy walking back down the hill and he walked straight towards me and as he got near me, he stuck his hand out and he went, you're Derek. And I went, yeah. And he went, I, I just want to say, I wouldn't be alive today if it weren't for you. Stepped past me, carried on walking. I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't just say that and walk off. You know, <laughs> you know like that. And as he was walking away, I was looking at his back and his hand just went up like that. And kept going. Because he clearly didn't want to say anything else. He didn't want to, he didn't want to go into it or, you know what I mean? And he just said that to me. And he wasn't the first that's done that. So this organisation is saving lives because isolation is the biggest killer of veterans in the UK. Mm. Isolation kills more vets than anything else. So yeah. what have you thought about where this is going, where it's going to end up? Well, the the, the new, we, we've had somebody come on board who is, um, he's basically got access to a pot of money from the government that was uh, ring-fenced for retraining uh, people that have served in the military. So, um, say for example, you've got a guy who is a, a, a bus driver and he and he wants to be a train driver. Uh, how, how does he achieve that? You know, how does he go from one to the other? Uh, well, he's going to need a shed load of money for one thing, for the courses. Uh, well, this money was ring fence for that. So, um, but how this guy that came on board said, uh, uh, the question for him was, well, how do I spend that money? How do I find these vets that want that training? How do I find these people that need the, the money to, to spend it on them? Uh, right, I need to contact the biggest uh, veterans, armed forces veterans organisation in the UK. Who's that? Yeah, it's the breakfast clubs. <laughs> so it basically came to us. So how about then I build a website for you using some of this money and... Uh, People have to register to get on it, and they become members of the AFVBC, as in, you know, not just at their local club, but members of the organisation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we we give them a profile, so we can add on things like um, DWP. Uh, here's recruitment, the biggest um, recruitment organisation arguably on in, on the planet. 
they've signed up. DVOP signed up. Um, wow. The RBL, uh, we're, we're talking to them, we're talking to SAFA, and the thing we're putting together now, we, we, uh, we're kind of looking at a through life support platform. So if you just want to go to a breakfast club and just have a, a bacon butty and a, and a bit of banter, you can do that. Or you can go on there and you can access employers that are looking for veterans. You can access training. You can get training. You can get that training for free. Um, you can you can uh, 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 go through the jobs that's on there. You can have direct contact to the military charity. You can have direct contacts to any kind of help, mental health, um, op courage, NHS. Uh, so so that that's the idea. That's the thing we're developing at the moment. So I mean, this is incredible, isn't it? Yeah, amazing. Some standing start. An amazing achievement. So, so what? So, I'm I'm a serviceman listening to this. I've never been to a breakfast club. Um, yeah. what what's your advice? Well, uh, if you go to um, www.afvbc.well uh, and just sign in, you get you give you sign as a click that you're a vet, put your regimental number and name in. The, the API check's not in place yet. That'll that'll come up later, but it, uh, people that have signed up will be verified. But as soon as they've done that and got a profile on there, they can find a, their nearest club, and they didn't just turn up. They can they can just um, or, or do a search on Facebook uh, if they find a Facebook group, you know, whatever whatever area they live. If they do a search on Facebook for, like you know, I don't know, Stockton on, on T, put Stockton Armed Forces and Veterans Club, mm-hmm. put Stockton Veterans. They, they should find a breakfast club nearby. There's so many of them now, uh, and just turn up. Just turn up, introduce themselves, ask for the admin, uh, and they'll be made welcome. That's it, and they'll be returning to the tribe. As we say. You know, I guess when you're living it, you yep. you can share the experience with people that you know will understand because exactly. they've seen it, felt it, been there too. Exactly when you that. come out and you want to talk to me, who's never been there, yep. you you can't have the same conversation with me that you can have with somebody that was alongside you. Exactly that. Exactly that. Yeah. Because what's really interesting as well is the solution to a lot of these problems yeah. isn't a white coat and a, yeah. a a clinical environment. It's a bacon butty and a chat with your mates. Yeah, exactly. It is. I think it's interesting also that um, you were obviously there 15, 20 years ahead of the, the game, but the, 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 the idea of loneliness as a uh, almost an illness, if you like, as a, as, is starting to become more um, mainstream. The yep. the advert that's gone viral about the old guy in the pub yep. is it, it, it's a, obviously comes from a different place, but this, I think the the symptoms are similar in that yep. you used to belong to something. It yep. might be your workplace, as you say, yep. uh, might be family, it could be anything that you really felt was your sense, your center, that your yep. the thing that made you you. Yeah, and then it's gone, yep. and it, I think you know even people that have worked in a factory for 40 years and then they retire that that routine that sense of seeing the same faces knowing where you are um and and where you're going to be for eight ten hours a day when that's taken away from you very suddenly it um it it's hard for people the question that every single person needs to ask themselves is where's my tribe you think about the street that you live on i know the name of the next door neighbors either side of me i don't really socialize with them um, one or two people do that, you know what I mean? But 
in, in a tribal society, that whole street, everybody in it would know each other. They would know each other's names. They would talk to each other every day. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, and and nobody would be lonely. Nobody would be isolated. Nobody would have the mental health issues that they've got now. But we all go home to our houses and sit in them row of houses and we all sit in our own individual little houses with our wife or wife and a couple of kids. But that's not tried. That's just your family. And that's yeah. the thing. That's the thing. That's that there's always going to be something missing. That's why people are always out there looking for this elusive thing that is missing out of their life. And it's that. You know, we've we've stopped being tribes. So, Brilliant. Yeah. And very astute. Derek, um we we're coming to the end. Yeah, um, thank you. I really, really appreciate your time. We apologise again for the sound quality in this episode, but we do hope you enjoyed the natter with Derek and agree with us that this story needs to be heard. Do not miss the next episode where you will be transported to the grain store during the December Rutland Branch Breakfast Club and can listen to us nattering with three veterans. Ian Reynolds, the Armed Forces Officer for Rutland County Council, Ian Rizal and 95-year-old John Bomber Beckett. When rain stops play, it's time for some pub natter. So, that's a wrap. And thank you for listening to our latest pub natter. If you visit timothyives.com forward slash pub natter, you will find photos, links and more information about each episode. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and please subscribe to ensure you don't miss a pub or one of our amazing guests. The Pub Natter theme tune is by Tom Arnold. That was a Pub Natter broadcast. 